Hi there. Uh, we are in Sweden this week. We uh, we're talking at the Business to Buttons 2016 uh, conference in Stockholm, Switzerland. So, needless to say, we tried to put something together to record a podcast, but the audio quality didn't sound great in uh, the hotel room, and we didn't really bring any uh, a mic good enough to to do it justice. So, instead, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to uh, give you an episode we recorded quite a while ago um, before we launched. We we saved up a couple um, podcast episodes, you know, uh, to um, just in case we needed to miss a week, and here we are. So we're going to release this uh, episode to you now, and uh, again, we recorded it a while ago. Hopefully next week we'll get two out um, to you guys, and uh, we'll uh, definitely tell you uh, what happened in Stockholm and the different things that we saw. And uh, for those of you who are wondering, yes, I did shake Al Gore's hand. So uh, with that, let's get to the podcast. Human Tech, a podcast about the intersection of humans and technology, as well as brain science, as well as lots of other fun things. With me, I have Dr. Susan Weinshank. Hello. Hello. And I'm Guthrie Weinshank. So, what are we talking about today? Well, you know, I thought we might talk about um, driverless cars. Okay. And specifically about how well two things i think one is how is it going to be that people are comfortable really get comfortable with not being in control of the car and then i'm also interested in how people's behavior might change about renting versus owning cars because i know that um at the uh computer electronics show this week there's a lot of talk about partnerships between um, the driverless cars and uh, mainstream car manufacturers and things like Uber and Lyft. So, um, yeah, can can I just say some? Yeah, uh, jump in. Uh, just just some quick background information. Um, you're not getting it this week, but this week was CES 2016 Consumer Electronics uh, Show in Las Vegas. Uh, traditionally the largest tech show in the world, though recently it hasn't been. Um, it's just kind of become a who's who big party. And there was actually an interesting article you can read. I think it was either Ars Technica or The Verge. I think it was The Verge. That was basically like, basically said that um, CES is now just a car show because all the tech, all the announcements were all car-based. Mm. And um, the biggest keynotes now, what used to be, you know, Samsung releasing new phones. Well, Samsung does that on their own, uh, at their own conferences, or at um, there's a German, a big German cell phone conference that's pretty popular, I think, as well. Um, but now uh, the big the uh, keynotes are Ford, uh, or Qualcomm came out with a new chip, but it was for a car, and Nvidia came out with a new um, whole. Uh, they call their supercomputer in a car, which, you know. And they have a bunch of random statistics like, you know, has the power of 150 MacBook Pros, you know, <laughs> whatever that means. Um, the, you know, computational power of 150 MacBook Pros. Uh, that's kind of a... We used to care about horsepower. Yeah, 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 exactly. Now we care about the power of 150 MacBook Pros. Um, but, I, yeah, if anyone actually does want to kind of know how, um, I guess we should start with the whole idea of what a driver's car is because um, NVIDIA had this whole keynote and the reason that there's such an arms race right now and why driverless cars are so hot is because finally the tech, the hardware, the, the computational power has caught up um, with, uh, basi- basically caught up with what uh, a combination of deep learning software, which I will also get to, and the computational power of just raw, um, you know, gigaflops of processing power uh, has has kind of caught up to the place where now you can have a car drive by itself. And of course, I'm interested in, you know, the psychology of, of yes. that. So and it's a wh- combination of the two. 
you know how how so i i've you know i'm i'm ready for the driverless car or so i say let's start um in the 1970s yes i do believe flying cars autonomous flying cars were going to be the at the year 2000 yeah where are they was that a real thing that there was or that people no, thought pe- there was people really that people really thought all you know year 2000 all the cars will drive themselves and they'll be flying too but they're you know well i don't know how when many did people... the idea of driverless cars kind of come into existence because like the jetsons were like the jetsons driving i completely forget no the jetsons were not driving i right. don't think i may have to go back and look i don't think the jetsons were driving i don't know how I think it was, um, I mean, I'm not implying that I, that I was around in the 70s. I know you weren't. (laughs) Well, I might have been. But I don't know that people really, really believed that it was going to happen soon. Um, That there were, that there would be, and I don't, and I don't think we thought of it as driverless cars. I think that, what, see, I already said we. Uh, I think it was it was more thought of as little um, individual low flying airplanes, um, and I don't know. You know, it, I think the image was more that people were driving them. I I think that that there's been a very small number of people, me included, who've thought about you know, drive, driverless something or other, or, I mean, the, the one, you know, for a while in the early 2000s, there were experiments with cars, um, with, with, uh, materials you would put in the roadbed. Right. That would then grab the, you know, wheels of the car and kind of turned it into a train. Right. The, the a train that would the but instead of a train car, it would just be your car. Be your car, and the, and you wouldn't be on tracks per se, but there was something in the roadbed that, you know, would steer your car. And and I guess, um, but that wouldn't be on all roads, you know. So the idea is you would get to a main highway, and then you could kind of stop driving. Uh, but then you'd get off the main highway and you'd have to be driving again. Um, but I think, you know, my impression, and I could be wrong, I could have just been out of it, but my impression is that the speed with which the, the true driverless car as it is now, you know, as it now exists uh, and seems to be coming to fruition, that that, that that seemed to happen really, really fast. I was just going to say the exact same thing because I feel like driverless cars almost came out of nowhere. I know, you know, a couple years ago, I like 10 years ago, you know, some Stanford team had built a robot that could like go without a operator at like six, you know, six miles an hour. Um, and yeah. then you kind of heard, eh, Google was trying something. And in about five, six years now, um, we have essentially fully autonomous vehicles that can drive at highway speeds. Um, and uh, uh, so, you know, it, it has happened really, really quickly. Um, so just a quick background before, because I, cause I like to get to the future with you, especially because um, right now, you know, the, the, the emphasis has basically just been on the hardware. Um, yeah. Can we make a thing that works? Yeah. And so I, I definitely want to talk to you a lot about the psychology of it. And as, as we go into the future and people actually start interacting with driverless cars. Um, so I'm, I'm going to stick on the hardware side for just a little bit. So I don't know um, if anyone out there actually knows how driverless cars work. Um, and I will give you just a really, really quick. Uh, again, go watch the NVIDIA keynote at CES um, for a really great uh, explanation of it. But the way it works is you have sensors on the car that uh, basically like uh, like radar or sonar that can kind of create a 3D picture of what's around the car. Um, in, in, yeah, it, it, and in many ways, Google has kind of a project where you can use your phone to do that. 
Um, there's a lot of different similar ways, but basically you send out a, 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 a signal, a radio signal, and it bounces into the stuff and comes back to the car and the car's like, oh, okay, there's a, there's a something there. So it takes that raw data and it turns it into a picture of sorts. Um, and then it takes that picture and it has to use uh, basically image recognition software. So the same stuff, and this is why Google um, is doing such a good job and kind of leading, traditionally, Google was leading the way on um, car development, uh, driverless car development. And they've are, they have billions of miles driven in California. They've been driving their driverless cars all, all over the place. Um, and so, so once you have that picture, you need to use image recognition software. Really, really, really advanced Im image recognition software. And with that, you have a picture in front of you, right? Okay, this is a tree. That's another car. This is the road. That's a curb. This is a sign. What does the sign say? Um, where this is a person. He looks like he's going to cross the road. This is a green light. Okay, so you have to individually and correctly identify each thing in the picture. And then once you know, once the picture has a meaning, then you need to determine the next course of action for the vehicle. So if it's a sign that says, you know, no turn on right, uh, or no turn on red, and it's a red light, the car understands, okay, I can't turn here. If there's a person that's that's, you know, on the sidewalk, the car needs to know, okay, this is a hazard. I need to make sure I don't hit this. Um, it also needs to identify the road so it, it, it knows, okay, I need to drive on this surface. So once it does that, you just have to do that a couple million times every second. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have a driverless car. Yeah, you know, this sounds like, <laughs> yeah, sure, no problem. It sounds like this computer is a lot smarter than the computer I have on my, underneath my desk. Um, it is and it isn't. Uh, it's smarter in different ways. And so one of the reasons that, so NVIDIA, again, they came out, they came out with a platform and it has a couple of GPUs in it. Um, I don't want to get too technical, but essentially you just need a different kind of computing power than mm. you need for normal everyday tasks. Mm. So as we record this podcast, we're using CPU power because it's encoding um, you know, the, the audio file into a compressed format. That's one type of processing power. But what you really need is you need to do lots and lots of things graphically simultaneously. And for that, you need a graphic power. Um, so that's the reason graphics cards are so great. And if you look at the top supercomputers in the world right now, mm -hmm. um, they're not being made with uh, CPUs anymore. They're being made with GPUs. They're made, made, being mm. made with graphics cards because you can do all this parallel stuff at the same time. Mm. So it's a lot, but it's a different kind of calculation. So that's part one. The second part is really, 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 really advanced software. And that's where um, and we, we should do a whole podcast, I think, on deep learning um, software, like yeah. deep learning analysis, which yeah, is really we should. cool. We should. But and and. But I want to know um, if they can create if, if the if the software engineers can create that kind of technology and that kind of software. You know why? Why does um, my video editing software have to be so damn complicated? <laughs> well, so so here's here's what happens. Um, it the the way I'm going to summarize kind of the way they've done this uh, car software to make it better and better and better. What they do is they have a, a bunch of supercomputers, essentially, and they run a video feed, right? Here's the data that a car would be getting, right? And they have like a, in the NVIDIA talk, they had like an urban street, right? With lots of stuff going on. Yeah. You start with a basic kind of software design that says, look for this. I think this is what a car is, okay? And then essentially... The, the way deep learning works is you do human, it's, it's basically software evolution. So run this same scene a million times and make little changes in the parameters, right? So what, you know, so, cause you have to quickly figure out what's a car. Well, cars are mostly square shaped. 
right? So look for things that are mostly boxes. But what size? How would the curve of something is? You know, they're, they're little, little tweaks. And so you run, um, you start with your base parameters, and then you just run a million times each iteration, tweaking things just a little bit. And at the end of a million, you look back and you're like, it, it worked a little bit better when you said, look for this. And then you make that your base and you run it a billion times. And then you, 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 you look at it, add it again. And All right. Let, let, let's talk, let's talk about the, well, the, I'll quick, I'll sum up. The sum point up. is, is that, um, with these supercomputers, they've been able to create really, really specific software. So with a lot of processing power, but also with just really, really with software that's very, very fine tuned to do the specific tasks that a driverless car would need to do, yeah. they can have um, kind of the driverless car software work, uh, and that's why it's so advanced, and also why you know your computer at your sitting at your desk would never be able to do such things. So. Well, I'm gonna expect that it will shortly. <laughs> uh, Tell me about, you know, you've never you've never been in a driver's driverless car, have you? I have not, and in fact, they. I live in Illinois, and they are, I believe, um, illegal in Illinois. Still illegal, okay. On public roads. Well, eventually, they won't be. So, do you really? I mean, first of all, I said I would. I really want a driverless car. Do you really want a driverless car? Yes, I am all in on. I would. Okay. I would love to have one. So and, now uh, I want you trip. to imagine that you're in the driverless car, and uh, you know it's driving you to the grocery store or to on the highway to visit someone. Mm -hmm. How how do you think you're really going to feel? When, well, about the car being in control, and you not being in control. Can I tell you a, a fun story? Sure. Um, I have actually gone through this process. But you said you weren't in a driverless car. No, but I, I have gone through the psychological process of this thing. How? In a way very few people have. This is a this is a brilliant insight of mine. Okay. Okay. So um, a number of years ago, I lived in Egypt for almost a year. I lived in Cairo. Yeah. Um, and the way you get anywhere is you go by taxi cab. Uh, I think I know where this is going. I, you probably do. The streets, <laughs> um, there really aren't any lanes. There yeah. are no traffic lights. There are no stop yeah. signs. Yeah. Uh, people just kind of drive. Yeah. Uh, so when you're on the highway in uh, an ancient, like, 1980s, uh, like, Soviet-made car <laughs> with literally 10,000 bumps where it has been, in, you know, you get in little crashes all the time. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, and I, I kid you not, they, 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 they use um, old soda bottles to store the, the car fluids. So you're in this car. There are no safety, uh, no safety equipment at all. There's no crumple zones. No airbags. There's no airbags. There's okay. no seatbelts. And okay. so you're flying down this highway, uh, weaving in and out of traffic. Yeah. Um, and uh, with with reckless abandon. And how did how did that feel? It, you are terrified <laughs> because you don't have any control of the situation. And so what you have to do, yeah. and which is what I did, is you know you just take a deep breath. You kind of yeah. close your eyes. Yeah. Or, you know, look at the floor. Yeah. And you just kind of let it go and say, okay, the driver is in control of the vehicle. Now, now, and then that, it, it kind that of works. Might, that might be, well, that's a little different. That, that actually should be more terrifying because it was a driver. And, and with a driverless car, you know, I might, tr I, I personally would trust the car more than I would the driver in Egypt. I know what you mean, actually. I hadn't made that connection because I've had a similar experience in India. Hmm. Uh, you know, same kind of drive. You know, in the U.S., we, I, if you've not been to one of these other countries where they have different road rules, <laughs> um, I think you don't realize, you know, the driving. And, in, in the you know, because in the U.S., you can drive, like, you know, around 
Baltimore or Chicago, right, or L.A., and you'll say, oh, these crazy drivers and, you know, people aren't obeying the rules. Um, but when you go to a, a part of the world where they have totally different rules or very few rules, um, it can be quite a shock. And I've done the same thing in India. They, uh, you know, drive very very fast and no lanes. And I mean, there are lanes of traffic, but there are no lanes. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. There's a lot of honking so that people know the honking means I'm here. Don't hit me. And it's very friendly. And, um, you know, I remember driving, we must've been going 50, 60 miles an hour and I could have put my finger out the window and touched the vehicles going by right that's how close they were even at high speed so yeah i guess so i guess so um you so you think do you think when you your first time in a driverless car you know that's really out on the road not just on a test area that you'll be that you know same kind of terrified yes um i All i right, think so i think the, the first time the first you're time in a car and, it, and you get on the highway All right. and All you right, get so going up to 70 and there's no one driving. There's no one driving. So how are we gonna? So how are we gonna deal with this? Well, I think like, it is just, it just that people are gonna be terrified and and then they get like, over it. Like the first time you rode in an airplane. Yes. If you were and an then adult. it doesn't crash and you feel better. But you know there are people who are always terrified in an airplane and never get it, never get past. I that. bet you there will be a subset of people, probably very similar to the subset of people who are scared in airplanes, will. Maybe not, but we'll we'll also be scared of driverless cars. I let's let's talk a little bit about the psychology of what it's actually going to look like on the inside, because a really really big difference. And so, um, California recently just passed uh, some, or at least at least I don't know if they passed or suggested, and it's going to pass. I'm not quite sure what the status is, um, but pretty strict regulations when it comes to driverless cars. So, um, like, if you like if, if you want to sell a driverless car in California, you have to register and do all this stuff. Um, there has to be a, a steering wheel. You have to be able to take manual control over at any time. Yeah, but that's actually a bad idea. There are there are lots. So it's very controversial. But this is right. So so Google's vision, and let's let's briefly name the players. You got Google. Um, who's coming up with driverless cars? Uh, Tesla uh, ha uh, has is working on driverless car technology, and in fact, they both already have working models. Um, Uber, who's working on their own driverless cars, though Google is actually, I believe, the largest um, investor in Uber, so there's some crossover there. Uh, I I believe it was Ford just this week announced a five hundred million dollar partnership, uh, or it could have been Toyota. Ford and Toyota um, invest, uh, announced um, a $500 million partnership with Lyft, which is the Uber competitor, uh, yeah, to come was, up with driverless car technology. Ford, yeah. Um, so there are, and then, and then there's some other uh, smaller players that are kind of working in, and I'm sure all the major car companies are doing it. You know, you can already get a Mercedes, right? Where, or, or a Corolla. There's a lot of different companies who offer this. You're driving down the highway and you're eating your burger. And, you know, you take a sip, sip of coffee and you turn back and there's, a, you know, semi is streets to a hole in front of you. Your car will already stop for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these features. So so let me ask. You got to have the driverless car tech for it to know that you're about to hit something. Well, let, let me ask a couple of questions. Well, first of all, I, yeah, I don't agree with with letting the human intervene. I think that the 99 well, out of 100 times, that's probably a bad idea. So it just depends what it looks like on the inside. So what Google would like to have is kind of the Jetsons pod, right? Where it's like a dome and you're there and you're like playing games and like just hanging out. Um, the state of California would like it to look like a normal car with a steering wheel where you sit strapped in in the driver's seat, except you're just you just don't touch the steering wheel. Yeah, I want the Jetsons version. <laughs> I definitely want to be able to swivel my seat around. Well, we but talk about mental models. I and know, I think that I really know. changes. Well, so, we, but, but, it, okay. So if you're going to talk about mental models, you know, what we know about mental models is that if you have some, if you're introducing a new conceptual model. Right. 
So that's that's the that's what the thing is. The mental model is what I have in my head. The conceptual model is the model that the device is presenting to me. And when you want to when you want to introduce a very new conceptual model, um, the, uh, that's easier than introducing a conceptual model that's kind of new and kind of not. And the car the car falls into that in between, right? So I mean it looks kind of like a car and I know it goes on the road. So I have a mental model of what a car is. And yet now there's some differences. And and that's the hardest uh, type of device to introduce is when, you know, if it's, if it's almost exactly like the old conceptual model, then it's easy for me to just learn the one or two things that have changed. If it's brand new, like I've never seen anything like this then it's relatively easy because i don't i'm not trying to compare it with anything but the hardest thing is when it's in that in-between state which is what the cars will be and and we know um you know that that's that's really difficult so in some ways it might be better to make it radically different so that when i look in the car i go whoa i know this thing grows on the road but it doesn't look anything like a car and any of the normal ways that i'm used to interacting with a car once i'm on the inside you know i'll just throw out the window uh oh that's a funny metaphor um <laughs> because because it it you know it it obviously is so different can i but, get your opinion on something yes Talk to me about what your thoughts about the Tesla. So Tesla came out with an electric car and basically the entire car, the part that moves is um, is all contained within a foot of the ground. Mm-hmm. And but what they did, they could have made a car that looks nothing like a car. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you have you don't have an engine. You don't you mm-hmm. don't need uh, the normal parts and mm-hmm. and fuel and st- fuel tank and stuff the batteries in the in the bottom of the car um but what they did was instead of make something that what was totally different they just made a sedan and they even put uh the front place where the engine would be right right but when you open it it looks like it looks like you lift the hood of of a normal car but when you open it it's just empty right and they call it the frunk the the front trunk the front trunk right um so what are your what are your thoughts about that because because they could have done something different but they chose to just stick i mean maybe it's different because literally you wouldn't normally open the hood roof of your car or the hood mm-hmm. of the hood of your car anyways mm-hmm. so you you don't even, you just assume there's something in there mm-hmm. is that is that the difference um I, I you know these are good questions i don't i don't know that 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 i have the answer to them i my guess is that Tesla and other car manufacturers are thinking that that people will accept these new vehicles if they are like the old vehicles. Okay. And um, they might be right and, and they might be wrong. You know, there is some research that shows that people are more accepting of the car being in control uh, if the uh, car talks to you in in a human-like voice, and if the person who's teaching you how to use it uh, refers to the car with a name. Yeah. Like, you know, Michelle, or, you know. I'm your driver, Michelle. Where are you going today? Yes, that that people people, uh, are more willing to give the car control uh, are less are less likely, and these are done. This is done in simulations, but are less likely to, but fairly complex ones, less likely to take a manual control away if there's a problem. If if the car has talked to them in a human voice and it has a name, you know what? Which reminds me then of something else I wanted to mention, which is this idea. You know that uh, you mentioned about Ford and and Lyft. So we have these. Uh, you know, the the model of the business model and the psychology model about taxis has now mm-hmm. been totally disrupted, right? And um, you know, people prefer and, and seem to a lot of people seem to really like the idea of 
you know, being able to, instead of going out on the street and hailing a taxi, uh, being able to use their smartphone. Um, and, and I think this is because it's personalized, okay? If I go out on the street and hail a taxi, it's very anonymous, and how long is it going to take me to hail one, and I don't have the information. And if I can use my phone and, you know, just dial, you know, arrange for my my personal car and driver to show up, right? And that seems much more personal. And they simplified the payment process. And that's a very big deal, that's simplifying big the pay- deal. payment process. No so, tips included, yeah. It's a big yeah, deal. yeah, very big deal. So, um, you know, that whole thing has changed. So some people think that the big change with, you know, the big uh, acceptance of the driverless car will not necessarily be that that I'm now I'm going to go buy a car and I'm going to buy a driverless car, but that we will actually shift to more and more people not even owning a car, that the the driverless cars are so available in as the Uber or Lyft model that uh, I I don't I don't need a car um, because I'm just gonna you know whether whether I just need a uh, a car to go to work or I need a car to go to the grocery store or I need a car a vehicle to go on vacation with my family right um, I will just do the lift kind of thing and and you know arrange for one and order one and it will just show up uh, mm-hmm. without a driver um, uh, at my door and uh, and I can I can therefore customize, you know, the vehicle I want for the journey I'm going on. You know, I just need a really something small uh, where it'll be easy to find a parking space because I'm going out to dinner with my friends in what the city. You, well, let's stop versus there. Versus I want. You don't versus, need a parking space. You're right. I don't need a parking the space. Car, the car goes and parks in the That's burbs right. and but then picks you up. But maybe I just want. want a little one because the little ones are cheaper because I don't use much sure. gas. Versus I, I'm taking my whole family you know, on a two week trip out west and I want the luxury uh van, you know, with with the tables well, and the swivel let's... chairs and all of that. And so then people we... will actually not you know, and, and the the car companies believe this enough. I mean they have the car companies it, it have really impressed me because, you know, normally American car companies are not the first ones to embrace new stuff and they tend to lag behind and almost die because they they haven't caught up to what everyone wants and now they're saying you know we don't want to be we don't want to be surprised by dis- a disruptive business and technology model and so we're going to jump in and they're saying people are going to stop buying cars so let's talk about ways that driverless cars disrupt um, or create giant paradigm shifts yeah. in markets. All right. Yeah. I'm, re- I'm just going to make a list. Yeah. List number one or uh, part number one, the taxis. Um, currently, the biz- the biggest headache for Uber is the drivers. It's people. Right. Um, Uber is a brilliant and ruthless company. Right. Um, they don't really like people very much, and that's fine. Right. Uh, so their dream is you just get rid of all the drivers and you have driverless cars. You can run, you know, 20 hours a day. Yeah. And you have your own fleet. Yep. So taxi, the whole taxi paradigm completely changes. That's one. Yeah. Second, um, the second big change is parking. Yeah. Uh, right now, I live in Chicago. Parking downtown is how much a day? Uh, depends on where you park, but usually, you know, at least 24. And if you're in a garage, it's going to be 50. Sure. So, and the the simple reason for that is that there's not enough room downtown. Why, you know, it's expensive, you know, much, much more profitable to have a giant office building than a parking garage. Right. Well, you have a driverless car, you get in your car, it drives you to, uh, you know, to where you want to go. And then, you know, after it drops you off, it goes, you know, not maybe not all the way back to the burbs, but, you know, out a mile to the giant automatic parking warehouse where it parks for, you know, a dollar someplace where there's much more room. And then when you're ready to leave, you press a button on your phone, your car comes and picks you up and drives you back. So it changes the whole idea of parking because you don't have to have the car 
right next to you when you get done with your activity. Okay, well. Because it'll come pick you up. Or? Well, well, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. All (laughs) right. Okay, so that's, so it changes parking. Yeah. The biggest way it changes, and this is, is, in my opinion, is the whole goods transportation industry. Yeah. Um, This is such a huge deal. Amazon is going to love, love, love this. Right. Because now um, you can drive. Yeah, I need to get from the docks in Los Angeles to the Wait warehouse. Minute, but there aren't dri- there aren't driverless trucks yet, are they? Oh. No, there are. There are. You're, I I remember this now. There's entire convoys of driverless trucks. There are. Well, first of all, if you can make a driverless car, you can you make can a driverless have, truck. Yeah. And in fact, the funny part is, it's actually way much much easier to make a driverless truck, in some ways, than a driverless car. Um, because uh, highways are actually much easier to do drive to do drive. Well, in some ways it is, and in some ways it isn't. Um, but in a city, you have a lot more to worry about. Yeah. When you're on an expressway, right? There's a lot. You know, you have to worry about things quicker because you're at a higher rate of speed. But there's but less things. You, the, yeah, the, the potential for bikers to be moved, weaving right. in and out of lanes and, and pedestrians, you know, pedestrians and, and that kind of stuff. Um, you don't have to worry about. But it, that aside, the 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 big dream for all the freight companies is again get rid of the truck drivers, which are unsafe and legally they can only drive a certain number of hours before they have to rest. Yeah, um, you've got all these problems. So what you do is you just have a, a whole fleet of autonomous truck vehicles. They can run again 20 hours a day. They just you know back and forth. Um, you know why and then and then you kind of extend that into the city. Why can't I get my packages delivered any day of the week? Right? You just have a fleet. You put it in the you put it in the UPS truck. It goes it goes and delivers your packages. So, okay, so you have a whole shipping and transportation, yeah, which is going to get completely revitalized. Yeah. So, these are big things. These are huge disruptive things. And then, of course, the question: Will people stop buying cars? I am not entirely sure about that. Um, it is possible that they will go simp- to a simple rent model. Um, uh, or or so I could see a subscription model. That makes yeah. sense to me. So the Netflix yeah. of cars. Yeah. You pay, join, you know, you twenty bucks a, a month. Yeah, you pay twenty bucks a month, and anytime you need a car, you press the button, and a car shows up, and then it drives you to wherever you need to go. The cool thing is, is that of course, it's not city limited. So if I'm in Chicago and I want to, and I would say I want to drive to Wisconsin. The car can just drive you to Wisconsin. There's no reason it couldn't, um, because once you get out of the car, it can drive itself back, or it can be used in Wisconsin for a while. You know, so there's no, you know, uh, think of U-Hauls. Yeah. Uh, U-Hauls. Uh, U-Haul does this business model. Every U-Haul has like a the different state, right? Yeah. Um, and it's always, you know, so U-Haul they know that well, you're driving from one part of the country to the other. So it's silly to have the U-Haul only stay in one specific spot. So you just create a nationwide kind of system, and then the U-Haul just goes wherever it is, and you just make kind of endless one-way trips. Yeah. Um, and so you couldn't have that model with cars. But I... You don't think so? I could see subscription. I could see groups of people kind of... But you think, together. but you think that, all right, do you think, you know how, how in the U.S. at least, a lot of people are, are, you know, deciding not to have a car and to use Uber and Lyft if they live in an urban area, especially. Um, but there's still a lot of people that, you know, decide, okay, I'm going to have my own car. Right. So do you think it's going to be like that where, you know, Okay, there might be increasing numbers of people who decide to not have their own car. Or do you think it'll be a big shift and a significant number of people who today would want to buy their own car would would now choose not to? Let's talk about um, electric drills. Okay, why? (laughs) (laughs) Is there a reason? because uh, Because the electric drill industry very much mirrors this exact same thing. Um, on average, the average person, every yeah. like almost every household has some sort of electronic drill. Yes. Uh, and on on average, uh, yeah. that household will use it a couple times a year. 
Yes. So the whole drill industry is basically based on the fact that everyone needs one, but is not going to use it very often. <laughs> but when you need it, you need it. Yes. So, um, and that the same is true of cars. Uh, the vast majority of time, I think you, people, people only use drive cars. their cars 10% of the time. But they use their cars more than they use their drills. Yeah, that's true. A that's lot of people true. use a car every day. So, so I think it's a two-part question. I think to, to some extent, yes. So if you're living in a city and it's inconvenient to park anyways, and there's public transportation and there's all kinds of lifts and all kinds of stuff like that, and you were thinking about not having a car anyways, you'll probably lean towards not having it or doing yeah. a subscription service. Yeah. Um, and there are si models in cities in place already for these types of people where you can go and rent a car for the weekend um, or just get groceries, you know, whatever you need one for. Uh, so that's part one. I think I could see um, people buying less cars. So uh, think of a family of four in kind of a, mm. you know, rural or suburban area. Oh, that's very interesting. Right. Yeah, so the, the mom's got a car. The dad's got a car. The kid's in high kids. school. So the kid's got a, you know, crappy yeah, car that yeah. they drive around. Everyone's got a car. Um, and I could see instead of that, well, you don't, everyone doesn't need a car because... You have one car and then everybody else Yeah, just... you don't need to take, you know, mm. Tim to soccer practice because he mm. picks up the husband from work and then it then mm -hmm. gets Tim and gets him to soccer practice and then it gets the groceries and the, right. So you, so you need less cars. Um, so there's that. Uh, but I think you're talking about a culture shift. Yeah, because people like their cars. People like cars. They like to decide what car they have. Do you know that 2015 was is the lar in the in the U.S. is the largest car sales year on record? I do. the the ne The second highest was in the year 2000. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people so, people are buying cars like crazy. Which in and um, just quick econ point it's mostly because of pent-up demand from the recession where everyone right. was waiting where to get rid of their old their... cars and now... right right okay, i but... i figured yeah well this will be interesting this is going to be really interesting to see how this plays out and it'll be interesting to see if you know 10 years from now when we're listening back to these old uh <laughs> podcasts we did we just you know shake our heads and say so, so can i ask you some questions yes you may okay question number one yeah um do you think that the kind of psychological problems with these cars will disappear over time? And uh, be, because right now it's just kind of a function of safety uh, and trust. Yeah. Do you think that in a while people will just? I think it's. I think it's going to be generational. Okay. Okay. Question I think two. that oh, finish. I think the people who, for whom this is new, you know, who grew up with driving driver cars, uh, I think a small percentage of them will will come to trust it and get used to it, and and a fairly significant percentage will never really be quite comfortable. Uh, I think people in in that are younger that that you know learn how to drive a driver car, but but didn't do it for the last, you know, 60 years, um, will uh, more easily trust. And then obviously the people who grow up riding in driverless cars will have no problem at all. So eventually, I believe the trust issue will eventually be gone. Because I think the future is for cars to really to be pods. Um, and not look like cars yes. of their present container. I, abs I absolutely agree with I you. I think the, the constraint is a, is, is a safety constraint. And so once the software and hardware, can, you know, they will do continuous improvement to where the to the point where they're, you know, where it's very, 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 well, very, very safe. The safety. Much the safer than any human could ever drive a car. And, and the trust. And the trust right. factor. Then, then I think... Uh, uh, so Cause, we're talking because there's, there's regulatory stuff too, and that's the biggest. Hurdle. Yeah, that's actually a whole other thing I, that I don't want to get into right now because we could probably do oh, a whole God, podcast God. on that. But yeah, so I'm thinking, you know, the cars may be out in five years, but it may be a good twenty to thirty years before people are there's are, are there's a generation of people that are totally comfortable with them. Okay, next question. Yeah. Uh, pick the year. Yeah. When. In the majority of states, 
it will be illegal to drive a car. Mm. In the U.S. Yes, uh, and so so you will have to use a driverless car. You no one would actually have a person drive a car. That's crazy unsafe. 2026. Okay. Uh, pick the year in which the majority of states, in, in which the majority of states, in which it will be legal to have a driverless car on the road. Where it will be legal? Yes, because currently it is illegal in almost all states. 2020. 2020. Mm-hmm. F- fully driverless. Yeah, there's um there's different classifications for driverless. No, I meant fully. Yeah, I fully. meant fully. With okay. no, no one's driving, no one's at the helm, no one's in control. Okay. All right. Um, and then, uh, do you think this will spread towards very interesting platforms? So right now, the whole idea of a car is based on the fact that you ha- someone has to be driving and someone needs to go somewhere. And generally the size of people that fit in a single, you know, thing, uh, you know, four, six, maybe eight if you have a big, you know, minivan or something. That's the size of a car. Once you have driver's cars, the whole paradigm changes. So do you think we'll be seeing changes in the size of cars? So, for example, will we start seeing a lot more two-seaters? Or, conversely, will we start seeing, you know, um, if if you if we do have uh, kind of like the Netflix of cars, um, are you going to start to see like larger bus size autonomous yes, vehicles? Definitely, I think I think we're going to end up with like um, customized you know mass transit, where uh, the bus pulls up and picks you up, but it's based on you know where you said you wanted to go. So I think that we're going to, um, you know, so it ends up, it has, you know, 12, 15 people in the vehicle and then makes its own route and drops people off. I I think, um, yeah, I think we're going to have things, everything from a single person up to, you know, a, a, let's say a large van size. Uh, and I'll make a quick caveat here. Yeah. Um, the other, you can't do any of this stuff unless the thing is electric. If you yeah. have, to, yeah, if you still have a gasoline-based engine and fuel system and gasoline tank, then it has to be in the shape of a car, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. So, um, the we're 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 assuming um, that gasoline cars have disappeared and now everything's electric powered because the you can be a lot more flexible um, because the the engine of a of an electric car is only about the size of a watermelon. And then you just got to store the battery somewhere. Well, I can just tell you that I hope this happens soon because um, I oh, have I know. I have two cars right now. Yeah. Uh, one is, um, uh, let's see, 18 years old <laughs> and has 180,000 miles on it. Sure. And the other one is uh, not much better at 14 years old with uh, about 170,000 miles on it. So, uh, and I'm trying to, you know, my dream is to to have these hold on until I can buy a driverless car. I don't think I'm going to make it. I think, well, well, can I, can I, can I offer a thought? Yeah. So the very interesting thing about driverless cars yeah. is that, you know, cars these days now can get software updates. Um, it changes the whole car manufacturing model because in the past, a car was like a toaster. Once it's yeah. out of the, once it's out. That's the way it is. That's the way it, it is. Dies. Yeah. Um, and that's really now, not. You're not saying that my 18 year old car can get a software update <laughs> no but I'm i don't saying, even know if it has software it, it it actually does my 18 year old car yep oh maybe yeah i know the anyway car to which but you're, you're saying they, I, you're most saying cars if, have onboard computers that do lots you're of saying stuff. if i bought a newer car now it could possibly 
be turned into a driver? It has car? to be the right one. So, yeah. for example, Tesla, okay, they had cars out. And then I think like a year ago, they said, oh, by the way, all your cars actually have driverless capability. We just haven't turned it on. Okay, but if I'm going to buy a Tesla, I think I'm going to have to make some more money. Well, or just wait a couple of years until they come out with the mass market model. All right. Hey, this has been fun. And uh, I hope one day I come pick you up and take you out to dinner without driving. <laughs> well, I mean, look. I can't wait for driverless cars. This summer, I took um, a 5,000-mile uh, trip to Canada. Uh, and, and, to, you, and somebody had to drive. And, yeah, it was six days of driving. And, you know, it was fun, <laughs> but I, I can't. It would have been, been wonderful just to kind of hit the, hit the button back and, and relax, relax. Take as, a nap. We drove through Montana. There's nothing there for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles. <laughs> Um, could have driven through the night. We would have gotten there in half oh, the time. That's true. So, um, anyways, this this has been fun, and uh, uh, hopefully, uh, you guys have some interesting thoughts about driverless cars. Again, um, you can email us at info at theteamw.com. Uh, we're also uh, our website's www.theteamw.com. We're also on Facebook, uh, YouTube, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, so you can find us there, and. Uh, Please subscribe, and uh, we'll, we will talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Human Tech.